Welcome to the sermons and teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We hope the message you're about to listen to will edify you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. Thing. 
Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Verse 22, the Bible says, Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possession. What is the difference between the hungry guy that was running to Jesus and this guy that walked away? A lot of us are like this rich young ruler. We're excited. Oh, I I'm going to do it. But are you ready to take what the word of God says? Or are you going to be like the, the young rich ruler and walk away? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you accept the word of God? You see, I saw a post today from Mark Hankins, and that's the name that was on the quote. And the quote says, the spoken word of God is as powerful as a personal invitation from Jesus himself. Did you hear what I said? The spoken word of God is as powerful as a personal invitation from Jesus himself. How serious do you take the words of God? How serious? From your disposition to it, from the way some of you even treat gatherings of believers, I can discern the level of seriousness that you accord to the word of God. How serious do you take the word of God? What is the disposition of your heart to the word of God? And so, you see in the scripture that this guy is hungry for the word. Many of the people you see in scriptures only encounter Jesus once in their lifetime. Are you with me? Do you see any other place where the woman with the issue of blood probably met Jesus again? To say, ah, master, thank you for that word that day. I want another. Listen, sometimes what you need from the word can be time sensitive, location sensitive, and specific. And that is why your radar has to be always on to receive from the word of God. Hallelujah. Because such moments might not repeat themselves again. Such moments might not come again. So why am I always hungry for the word of God? Because I believe that at any time and at any place, the Lord can have a word for me. That the word of God is that important that I'm going to give it that focus. So some of you don't know why some other people are very extra with spiritual meetings and why we're saying you must not miss and you're like, ah, won't I come for the rest? It is because we take every single part of the word, every single day the word of God is taught, every single moment the word of God is taught as an opportunity to receive the words of God. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? As an opportunity. So the reason why it is going to hurt when I don't come for fellowship is because I believe I have lost something for not coming. Are you, are you listening to me? Yes, I've lost something for not coming. And yes, there will be other teachings, but that one teaching is also important. Do you understand that? Yes, there will be other teachings, but there are things that that one teaching will do for me that I can't get anywhere else. Can I tell you something? If I preach the same message to you five times, I believe that there's an effect that that same message will do to you the five times, that if you miss one of it, it will do less than what it would have done five times. That's my disposition to the word. Because, for example, if repetition was supposed to awaken you to the reality of that thing, the fact that you've heard it once will not suffice. Mm -hmm. hey, are you listening to what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The fact that you heard it once will not suffice. I listened to the sermon on baptism almost five times before I finally understood it. I listened to sermons on union with Christ 
Almost five times before I understood it. And every time I hear it, I see something different. Ah, not because it was not there before, but because my understanding is getting clearer. That's the effect of the word of God. So if not for anything, for the sake of repetition, which leads to conviction, I must always treat the word of God as important. So you must have such an expectation to the word of God as you would have if you felt like you were only going to meet Jesus once. That same expectation you must have towards the word of God. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? You must have that expectation towards the word. So the rich young ruler ran and knelt before Jesus. He said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, sell everything. Come back and be my disciple. Now the story goes the other way. The man was saddened by the word. One thing we must learn to do is that we must learn to honor the word of God. We must learn to place a premium on the word of God in our life. How many of you have had that experience of that friend who told you, please call me to order if you see me going wrong. Please, oh, call me to order. You know that experience. Or friends that say, ah, I beg to be. Or I beg, show. if you see me dating an unbeliever, call me to order. Call me to order. How many of you have that friend? And then a few months, you are trying to tell them, ah, Tolu, is that not Wasil you are dating? <laughs> What's going on, Tolu? Now you are trying to call Tolu to order. Tolu is angry. Who are you to dictate my life? Tolu said, you see, if you even see me, change it for me. Don't be my friend again. Now, you say, Tolu, I'm not going to be your friend because you said if I see you doing this, I'm not going to support you. Tolu is not saying, you see, I always knew you were jealous. It's because you are saying, and you're like, Tolu, from your mouth. Tolu, from your mouth. <laughs> so, a lot of people are like that when it comes to the word of God as well. You are like, ah, the word of God is my... But when the word of God says, ah, you see, um, all those boys named Femi, you can't date them. <laughs> or you hear the person of the Lord say, don't date Femi. Don't date Tolu. That's when you forget the word of God. <laughs> you want to treat the word of God like you treat your friend that you say, remind me. So the word of God is your guide. But when it comes to specific things, you say the word of God must not touch. Things like money, you don't want the word of God to touch relationship. You don't want the word of God to touch. You know, I should mention Moabi. <laughs> Hallelujah. Things that you desire, you don't want the word of God to touch anymore. What we must learn to do is honor the word of God. Hallelujah. Honor the word of God. Honor the word of God. Same word you said they should speak to you. you are not, now you are not ready to receive it. You said, wake me up, I beg, push me. Now, when they are waking you up, you don't want to receive it. When the going gets tough, you don't want to endure the word. You have to learn to honor the word of God. Honor it above all else. Hallelujah. My pastor always says something. He says it doesn't matter what you learn about the word of God if the word of God does not matter above all else in your life. Did you hear that? It doesn't matter what you learn about the word of God if it doesn't matter above all else in your life because you will just receive it and throw it away unless you put it as a premium, as priority, as the highest in your life. Unless you put it as priority in your life, it won't matter. It won't matter. So you have to make the word of God be the most important thing in your life. Did you hear what I said? 
You have to make the word of God be the most important. You have to prioritize the word of God. You have to place a premium on the word of God. Say, I honor the word of God. Say, I honor the word of God. I honor the word of God. You have to honor the word of God above all else. In another story in 1 Kings chapter 22, the king of Israel and the king of Judah came together and they were going to take a city called Ramoth Gilead. And in 1 Kings chapter 22 and verse 1, the Bible says, For three years Syria and Israel continued without war. But in the third year, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us? And we will keep quiet and do not take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. And we keep quiet, rather, and do not take it from the hand of Syria. And in verse 4, the Bible says, And he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go to battle with me at Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of the Lord, to the king of Israel, I inquire first for the word of the Lord. This is important. Two kings about to go to war. But the other king said, you know what? Before we go to Ramoth Gilead, I would inquire. Is that you? Is that you? That before you take any step, you inquire of the Lord. You inquire of the Lord before you take any major step. Some of you now, you have got anything without God. Even marriage. You have reduced the, you, anything. You have mind though. You enter Lagos Road. Lagos. Lagos Road without praying in the morning. <laughs> you have mind. You must be strong. To do life without God, without the voice of the Lord, take big decisions. Ah, But this guy says, I'm not going to war until I inquire from the Lord first. And in verse 6, the Bible says, Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and they said, Shall I go to battle against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I be referred? And they said, Go up! The Lord will give in to you. <laughs> this sounds like those people that when we are praying, you know, the victory, victory, I hear victory. All you hear is victory. You have never heard wait or stop before. All you hear is go. You are sent. Sent forth. They sent people into the world. <laughs> Nations will hear your voice. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen. It's good to flow in the prophetic. The Lord many times will give us words of confirmation and words of victory. But what I'm trying to say is, these guys were not telling him the truth. They said the Lord will give you, he will give it into your hand, king. But Jehoshaphat said, is there not another prophet? Some of you, you need to hear another counsel. Did you hear what I said? You need to hear another counsel. He says, is there not another whom we may inquire? Verse 8, the Bible says that the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imla. He said, But I hate him, for he will never prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. In verse 9, the Bible says, Then the king of Israel summoned an official and said, Bring quickly Micaiah, the son of Imla. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in robes at the threshing floor, at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Chenan, made for himself horns of iron and said thus, and said, Thus says the Lord, With this you shall push the Syrian until you have destroyed them. And all the prophets prophesied so, and said, Go up to Ramon Gilead. Prophesied so, and said, Go up to Ramon Gilead and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Verse 13, the Bible says, and the messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, the word of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the one, be like the word of one of them, and speak favorably. Now, 
I, I feel like with this, you're already getting the point of what is happening. So, in the example I gave you, it would be like you were trying to hear the voice of the Lord, but your prayer is, Lord, let Femi be the one. Lord, Isaac should be the one. All I want to hear, Daddy, Isaac, I, Zeke, it's not hard for you, Jesus. Ah, change his heart. I, I know he's not a believer, but Lord, change his heart. Lord, I want to win a soul for you in my relationship. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because this guy is already telling him, see, the prophets have spoken, no, make sure that your word is like them. They don't want to hear what the word of God really has to say. But you must be willing to hear what the word of God has to say objectively. Objectively. Verse 14 about says, Micaiah said, as the Lord leaves, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak. Micaiah said it's funny because verse 15, he says, shall we go? Micaiah, they asked him in verse 15, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramon Gilead to battle or shall we refrain? He said, go up and triumph. The Lord will give it to your hand. So he encouraged him at first. I feel like at this point, <laughs> Micaiah is like, oh, this, it's probably like me. You know, if I'm pastoring you and I've told you, no, 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 it's not Isaac, no. And you say, ah, the Lord says Isaac. Ah. I say, okay, Isaac it is. <laughs> Since you will not obey the voice of the Lord. <laughs> and you, if I tell you it's not Isaac now, you will say you're not more coming to our church again. So, <laughs> I'm joking. I will not support you. I will tell you the truth. But my car, my car is fun because my car says, go, you will triumph. But the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you will not speak anything to me except by the name of the Lord? Meaning that the king himself knows. <laughs> Meaning that the king himself knows. Verse 17, he said, I saw Israel scattered on the mountain as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let it return to his home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that you will not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? I feel like this has a lot to say about the king. <laughs> because if Micaiah is truly a, a prophet of the Lord and he does not speak good about you, <laughs> then you yourself, you are not good. <laughs> Amen. You yourself, you are not good. But what I'm trying to bring out of this text is that they needed to hear the voice of the Lord, but the king was not ready to hear what the Lord has to say. It's what he had in his mind he wanted to hear. Now Micaiah told them the truth. And if you read the latter parts, they sent him to prison. <laughs> they sent him to prison. Many people don't like wise counsel. They don't want counsel from the word of God. They can claim they like it. They can pray about it and pretend but in truth, they don't like the counsel. What I'm trying to do in today's teaching is this. Before you start hearing five steps on how to interpret the Bible, before you start hearing three steps, exegesis, exegesis, all these things I want to teach you that would make your head pain you small, but will help you interpret the Bible. Before I start teaching you all the steps to interpreting the Bible, I want to first teach you how to value the word of God. Are you with me? Because it would not make sense if you don't learn how to value the word of God. It's because you value the word of God that you will not twist scripture, but you try to look for the original intent of the writer. Amen. It's because
because you value scripture that you'll be hungry to study the word of God and do Bible study for hours. It's because you, you value the word of God. It's because you value the word of God that the word of God will become sweet as honey to you and you'll be hungry for it. That's why you'll be able to do long, extensive times of Bible study. It's because you value the word of God that you would want to read it more. It's because you value the word of God that it will become edification for you. It will become a part of your devotion. Amen. It's because you value the word of God. I feel like one of the ways we should learn to teach our, raise our children is teach them the value of the word and see them respond to the word. Do you understand what I'm saying? The problem is that we make devotion and Bible study like chores. Teach them the value of the word. Let them know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that cometh out of the mouth. Don't let them just recite it as memo. Let them understand what it means. When I was smart, no understand. I don't know. I will go to the word of God. <laughs> you know, let them understand that. See, the reason why I'm your daddy and I can pay for your school fees is because I obeyed the voice of the Lord when He told me to take that job. Do you understand what I'm saying? Tell them the reason why I can raise you the right way is because I received wisdom from the Word of God. The wisdom I have today, ah, daddy, why are you so wise? Ah, it's the Word of the Lord, though. I gain wisdom. That why do people call you to ask for advice, counseling? Ah, it's the word of God. The word of God makes me wise. You will see that child desire. How can the word make me wise? Now you begin to teach the child. I'm telling you, I want to create in you a hunger. Let's not just say we are a studious community. Let's also truly be studious. Let's be hungry. To understand the word of God. Amen. Let's be hungry for it. Let's be hungry for it. Let's be hungry for it. Let our hearts burn for the word of the Lord like it burns for prayer. Let's not have imbalanced people. People who are praying, but in your prayer we see that you need study. And people that are studying and in your study we see that you need prayer. Let's have balanced people. Amen. Let's have balanced people. When it is uncomfortable, you can say, God said it, and so I'm going to obey the word. When it is comfortable, say, I believe it, he said it, I believe it. When people are going different, look, everybody's going a different location, and the word of God goes a different location. You say, I believe it, I receive it, it's the word of God. Everybody, they are, oh, you know, go apply for UK visa. If the Lord says Nigeria, is Nigeria. But guess what? If the Lord also says it's UK, is UK. It's the word of, let the word of God guide you. Let the word of the Lord be your guide. Find satisfaction in the word of the Lord. You know that video? Um, every time prayer, every time the Lord said, every time fasting. <laughs> you know that video? You know that video? Elevate is <laughs> my life. Let me pray. Let me fast. Amen. Let me fast. Hallelujah. Let me fast. Let me do this. Let me, listen. Don't be scared to represent with God. Everywhere you find yourself. You know, in my office, <laughs> I remember when I was working in Nigeria. Remember, I would say, ah, I need to pray about it. I don't really care if you don't believe in God or not. But me, about my decision, I need to pray about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I need to pray. That's how I take my decision. And I'm not scared regardless of what you say. It's not going to change anything for me. It's how I live my life. I need to pray about it. Praise Jesus. 
So contrary to what your Instagram followers say, where are the Twitter people here? Contrary to the pressure you receive on Twitter, stick to the word of God. Amen. Did you hear what I said? Stick to the word of God. Can you hear me? Stick to the word of God. Contrary to what the word of the Lord, to, to what people say around, sorry. Let the word of God have final authority in your life. Open your Bibles with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Is everybody there? First Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to read from verse 1. It's a long read, but my emphasis is towards the end. It says, For you yourself know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shameful, treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal, he's talking about himself and the other disciples. He says our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. For, or, or, nor with a pretext for greed God is witness. In verse 6 it says, Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could not have made demand as apostles of Christ. Verse 7 it says, But we were gentle among you, like nursing mother, taking care of our own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and our toil, we walk day and night that we may not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim the gospel to you. It says you are witnesses. And God also, how holy and righteous and blameless our conduct was to you believers. He was talking about their labor over these people. Verse 11, it says, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exalted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls his own into the kingdom and glory. In verse 13, which is my emphasis. He says, And we also thank God constantly for this. For when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the words of men, but as it, as it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Did, did you hear that? How many of you understood what we just read? He was, he was thanking them for their attitude towards them. He says that you, you, you receive the word of God that we spoke to you. You accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. So, so listen, he's telling them that the apostolic word is the word of God, number one. The apostolic word is the word of God. What do I mean by apostolic word? The word spoken by the apostles. And I've taught you this before. You know, I've said it in passing that when you are reading the Bible, I'm still going to teach you in this series about it, that your approach to Bible study is that you understand what the words meant to them first before trying to figure out what it means to you. What I mean by that is that the Bible, 
Part of them are letters that were written to a specific audience. Specific people wrote to a specific audience. They were not written to you. So you must first understand who is speaking and the audience is speaking to before you can then try to relate it to yourself. Because if it does not relate to you, you would have misinterpreted that text. Amen. So when he says you receive our words, is he talking about my own words? Answers, please. When he says you receive our words, is he talking about my own words? Why no? I thought, why no? Because the context is that Paul was writing to the church in Thessalonians. And the context you read is the apostles' words to the Thessalonians. I was not with the Thessalonians. I was not with them. So when he says that we thank God for this, that when you receive the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it really is the word of God. Whose words is he talking about? The words of the apostles. Paul is saying that the words that him and the other apostles speak should be received as what? As the word of God. And so our first point is that the apostolic word is the word of God. The apostolic word is what? Is the word of God. Amen. Does this make sense to everybody before I go on? Amen. So, in this text, we see the Apostle Paul declaring that the apostolic words are the words of God. That is, what it means to be an apostle is that Jesus has appointed them as a representative. So, the word of an apostle, when he teaches, he's teaching as a representative of God. The definition of apostle is one sense to represent another person with authority. Amen. Mm-hmm. One sense to what? Represent another person with what? With authority. So the apostles are representatives of God. In John chapter 16 verse 12, I've read this text to you many times. The Bible says, I still have many things to say to you, but I cannot be but you cannot bear them now. It says, when the spirit comes, he will guide you into all truths. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. This was Jesus to the apostles. He says he wants to teach them many things, but they cannot understand it yet. But that the Spirit will teach them. In 14, he says he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said to you, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, the Spirit of God is going to give the apostles clarity so that they can teach. Amen. It means when the apostles teach, their words are what? The words of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you piecing it together? Their words are... This is when you receive our words. Thank God you don't receive it as the words of men, but as the words of God. Meaning when we were teaching you, we were teaching you that you might listen to the things we are saying, not as men speaking, but as God speaking. Why? Because God sent the apostles as representatives. So the words of Paul, he's telling you that you should receive it with the authority that he was sent by Jesus. And where do you see the teachings of, of the apostles? In the epistles, in the Bible. So we must learn to receive those words as... A, I don't feel a sense that you're getting what I'm saying. Raise up your hand if you understand what I'm teaching. Alright, amazing. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 2, the Bible says, Assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of the grace that was given for you, how that the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ in 5. It says, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, 
as it has now been revealed to his only apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So listen, there is an understanding that was given to the prophets and the apostles by the Spirit. They are representatives of God. And so the words they speak are to be regarded as what? The words of God. As the words of God. In 1 Corinthians 2.13, the Bible says, Paul was speaking, he says, And we impart this wisdom, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So he's teaching something that they receive by the Spirit. We don't have that autonomy today. Listen, and you need to pay attention. I'm not an apostle. So I cannot come with doctrine and teach you something new that is not in the Bible. But the apostles could. Why? Because they have apostolic authority. Are you getting this? They had apostolic authority. My words will not be passed into scriptures, but their words could be passed into scriptures because when they spoke, it was received as what? The words of God. God sent them. God gave them wisdom. God gave them the, 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 the things to say by the Spirit that they might teach. Jesus himself promised that the Spirit will come upon them so that they are able to teach, so that they may know. And so the implication of this is that the teachings of Paul are to be received as the words of God. Does this make sense? Your idea of scripture must change. You must not see the Bible alone as just a historic material only. You must see it as the word of God. Do you get that? When you read the apostles' teachings, it's not more time to just see it as a historic information. Mm -mm. It's not just literature. It's a divine book. Yes, it is historically accurate, but it's a divine book. It contains the words of God. The divine authority actually the apostles spoke makes their words to be received as the words of God. They were sent by God to speak those words. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 37, the Bible says, If anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things that I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he's not recognized. <laughs> are you reading this? Are you reading this? So if anyone thinks he's spiritual, it means that the height of your spirituality will never supersede the wisdom of the teachings of the apostles. Did you hear that? So you say you want to receive revelation that Paul never had. He said even things that the Lord did not reveal and the earlier to the apostles, he's shown them. You, you have to understand what I'm saying. The height of your spirit. He says, and you, did you hear what he said? If anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I'm writing to you are a command of... The moment you begin to speak against the, the, the authority of the apostles, of the disciples of Jesus, the Bible says that we are built upon what? The foundation of the apostles, Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So we are built upon their foundation. They have apostolic authority. The things they say carry authority. We receive them as the words of God. Hallelujah. It's important that you see and receive their word. I'm saying all of this to help you understand. Peter even confirms the divine authority that Paul has as an, as an apostle. He describes his writings in 2 in, in Peter chapter 3, verse 15. This one I want you to read. 2 Peter 3, verse 16. You know, one of the reasons why I love the Bible so much is that the Bible is self-affirming. When you are looking for proof of the authenticity of the Bible, the Bible will prove itself by itself, inside itself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, the Bible is just so self-affirming. I was preaching to the guys I'm teaching on Grow It, Pastor Mike, and 
I was teaching them about the evidence of God. And I was in the Bible, and like Paul was saying that ah, when you see, it, ideally you will not think that it's by a material given by God that you prove that God exists. But he said, he said, if you see the things in the world and you can't observe that, <laughs> that there's a God then, <laughs> says foolishness <laughs> in sound. It says, only a foolish and a wicked man would not acknowledge that there's a God. He said, only a fool will say there's no God. Only a fool will say there's no God. The Bible is so self-affirming. It does not need you to defend it. It defends itself. Do you know what I'm It defends itself. In 2 Peter 3.15, I want you to read it very closely. It says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given him. <laughs> Peter, Peter was calling Paul's writing as hard. He know that his own so used to confuse what he said in verse 16. It says, it says, can the patience of the Lord have salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do what? The other scriptures. So, listen to the tenses he said. They twist the words of Peter as they do what? Meaning what? That Paul's writings are scripture. Are you reading this, everybody? He says, there are some, some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Meaning that his words too are scriptures. People are twisting it like they are twisting other scriptures. So, even Peter acknowledges that he must receive Paul's writings as what? Scripture. He puts it in a level of authority even as compared to the Old Testament prophets. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. It says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. The Bible says all scripture is God-breathed. That's the word here. It's inspired by God. It's given by God. It's God-breathed. God gives scripture. Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. So scriptures are from God. When you think of scriptures, think of them as God's words. Amen? Think of them as what? As God's words. You know this text. Second, Second Peter 1.20 Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes by any man's own interpretation. For men of God, men of old, spoke, moved by the Holy Ghost. ESV says, carried along by the Holy Ghost. KJV says, moved by the Holy Ghost. The word carried there in the Greek is pharaoh, P-H-E-R-O. It means to carry someone's burden or to endure someone's burden. So when he says men of God wrote, moved by the Holy Ghost, it, he was giving you a sense of what was happening when they were writing scriptures. To move by bearing someone's burden. A way to describe it is like a ship moving, but then the wind starts moving it. Is the ship in control? No. Because the wind is, even though the ship can decide to move forward or to stop by dropping an anchor, but its direction is swayed by the wind. It says men of God spoke, carried along by the Holy Ghost, moved by the Holy Ghost, influenced by the Holy Ghost. So, it says, carried Pharaoh, bearing a body let me tell you the way to think about it. Imagine a person wants to speak, 
But you have a burden of speaking the person's truth. That's the type of burden he's talking about. Do you know what I'm saying? Like being someone's lawyer. You have a burden of speaking the person's truth. That's what it means. Men of God spoke the Lord's truth. Inspired by the Holy Ghost. They carried the burden. They were born along by the Spirit. Carried along by the Spirit. Moved by the Holy Ghost. Their speaking will be limited by their human faculty. But there's an influence of the Spirit. Meaning that if the man that is writing does not know how to speak good English, the Spirit is not going to make him know how to speak English. <laughs> but what the Spirit is giving him is an information to be communicated. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? This is how men of God were inspired to write. So we must receive those words as the words of God and not the words of men. The limitation of the man is aside. But the Spirit's influence, this is men of God wrote influenced by the Spirit, carried along by the Spirit, moved by the Spirit. I'm saying all of this to help you understand that the words of the apostles documented in scriptures are the words of God. And so when you carry the word of God, when you carry the Bible, treat it. When you hold this material, know that you have the word of God in your hand. Did you hear what I said? Know that you have the word of God in your hand. If you believe in the power in the word of God, believe in the power in the Bible. Because the word of God, just understand that the words of God that are here, men wrote, inspired by the Lord. And so if you're looking for the wisdom of the Lord, it's not only possible in audible voices, it's also possible in the word. It's not only possible in the witnessing in the heart, it's also possible in the word. The same thing you can get from, listen, maybe your problem is that the answer to the question you have been looking for God to tell you in prayer, if you read your word more, you would have known what to do. Do you know that? There are some instructions I don't need audible voice for, evangelism. Why? When I've read the word of God. <laughs> when the Bible says that we are ambassadors for Christ, and it says he has, he has made us ministers of the new covenant to bring people to Christ. It's in the word. What am I looking for? It's in the word. There are some things that I don't need, you know, I don't need too much. God, see, ah, you are rushing. Stop this thing. Just do small chores. God's plan is that as the waters cover the earth, we see the glory of God. We see the gospel. We see the truth of his word. Cover the whole earth. So why should I evangelize? Because the world is not yet covered. So I have work. That's why I will preach. I don't need audible voice for this one. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? There are some things that are clear. The wisdom of the Lord. So I'm praying so that I will know if God wants my parents to divorce. Go and study the word of God. The, the Lord has given us instruction on things like divorce. There are specific things. You, you know? If you study the word well, you'll find answers to many things. Now, I'm not saying that the Bible is the answer to everything in the world. Don't go and look for chemistry inside the Bible or biology inside the Bible. And I'm going to teach that later. But I'm just teaching you that there are specific questions. The Bible answers questions on what to do about food or factor idols, hair covering, grace. Do you know the funny thing? The most debated questions that people have today were answered in the Bible. The Bible clearly says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Do you know that's the, that's the question people ask in different ways? <laughs> that's the question they ask. And the Bible clearly answers it. The, apostle, the topic of 1 Corinthians 11 is, 
concerning covering of hell is <laughs> there. Is there. Concerning having a case to your brother is there. How to handle a legal case with your brother is there. There are certain things that are specifically given. So we, 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 we have to treat the word of God the right way. Scripture has also honored the word of God. That's why even if it is one verse, I think the problem is that you've not just learned how to receive the word of God. That's why you've not learned the power of the word of God. You've not learned to receive the word of God. That's why you've not learned the power of God. So how do we receive the word of God? Number one, with meekness and humility. James chapter 1 verse 19, the Bible says, Know this, my brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to... You see, this is the problem. Some people are not quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. They are quick to anger, quick to speak, and slow to hear. If you have to be slow to, slow to speak, listen more. With meek, it's how to receive the word of God, number one, with meekness and humility. Learn to be slow to speak. Have you ever heard somebody argue the Bible with you that, and from the things that he's saying, you're like, ah. <laughs> it seems like you've never read this material before. That's how one lady was with. I think that when people start using that show microphone, they used to think they are spitting bars of wisdom. And they don't know that sometimes they are saying foolishness. You know that podcast mic? Once people start using that, that mic that has long, they used to think they are wise. So one guy said, ah, that even the Bible preaches about polygamy. That which man in the Bible did not marry two wives? I say, eh? She now said, name it. She was so confident. Name it. Standing naming people. Ah. I said, what did they do this game? <laughs> so you are trying to now prove that the Bible supports polygamy and men cheating from your primary school Sunday school that you learned. You never read Bible. <laughs> yeah, you know, you see people arguing. You know, the ones one that the people that used to think they can finish me. One guy said he asked questions for me. That she me, I think I'm a scholar. That he asked questions, but that one that caught me. So he sent me 12 questions. I read the first one. He said, who oh, became married? I said, what's wrong with this boy? Why are we so clear on it? Adam has other sons and daughters, number one. Number two, the context of Genesis focused on the story of the Bible. So even if there were other people there, the Bible did not just document them because he was trying to tell the story. So that's the undercutting. You want to undercut me? You say, what's the relationship between Mary Magdalene and Jesus? What else? You want me to say they are dating? How is that a problem? <laughs> How is that a problem? How is that a problem? You know, the, when I saw this, he said, he said that, how oh, am I sure that the white men did not change the Bible to keep us subjected? I said, because the Bible that the slaves had, they are caught part of it. We have the original Bible. Even when I evangelized to Muslims, they say, oh, your Bible has been changed. I say, no, we have the original manuscript, so we used to cross-check it from time to time. Different translation does not mean our words have not been, have been, have been changed, rather. So, we have to be slow, to just listen more and learn. Some people want to talk, talk, talk. Just if you don't know, it's better to just. <clears throat> I don't know. When we do question and answers, if, you, if I don't know, I say I don't know. If I have an idea, I'll say, if I say I'm still on it, I will say I'm still on it. Because there are some things that I have not decided on where I want to stay. <laughs> because the evidence for both sides is heavy in scripture. Are you with me? So you, you have to be slow to speak. You know, it's like the girl, one girl that got my number from. That's why I used to say, please, don't share my number anyhow. Got my number. She said she, you know, she wants to ask questions. So she will never, she will not let me speak. 
if I say one, she say ten. So at the end, I just say, you know what? Do you really want to grow? You want to teach me? <laughs> Let me know. If you want to teach me, I can. I can know. So me, the way I, I learn, I use Bible on paper. I write all the things you are saying. So, <laughs> so I take the disposition of a learner. You have to be willing to learn. That's how to receive the word of God. It says in verse 21, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with weakness the engrafted word, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This is powerful. Have you been with someone trying to teach them something? They will not let you finish your statement. And they are like, no, that's not what I'm trying to say. Wait, let me finish. Listen, if it was curiosity, good. But some people is pride to show that they know. Meanwhile, they don't. So the most important thing you must learn is humility. I remember one girl that joined the fellowship one time. Ah, comment section. Pra, pra, pra. She go there, pray, pray. If I say one, she go say another for comment. Pra, pra. So one day she called me. She started saying revival history. This one, that one. I say, when I started hearing that, you know when you start saying too many things, we know the level of your knowledge. So that's why silent people look wiser. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Silent people always look wiser because they will look like they are brooding, they pick their words, you know, vet their words. <laughs> you have to be calm, be humble with the word of God. Be humble. Just come and say, ah, I'm sorry, I've not prayed three hours before. Don't come and you know, <laughs> you, know you see, even Alex, when they pray for me, you see her for hour one, you see, the, or you come to our camp meeting, five hours, for beginning, you just, ah, Calm down. Please calm down. You see people when they pray, they just they walk, they shame and they so shame. they no shout. You you they you, it just it's better to say, ah, I've never prayed five hours before. You know, just say the truth and be humble and be willing to learn. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, I left school and as at the time we left school. I was what you would consider in quotes an emoji. Do you know what I'm saying? Like people already started saying papa. If you call me papa, please don't. But don't let papa enter your head. <laughs> There's still ministry work. They were celebrating Paia de Boy on one video I watched. Ha. Ha. When they started mentioning the amount of branches. And souls won per month and per year. And the church has a vision that there will be one redeemed church, at least in every street in the world. And in Nigeria, I can see the reality. And in many other countries, I can see the reality. And even the man is humble. Mm. He's humble. You know, they were even called the person was calling him Brother Enoch. I say, hey, brother. I say, brother, Enoch, and they boy. I say, brother. <laughs> wow. It must really be good to be a brother. <laughs> so I'm saying, be humble. You cannot learn if you are not humble. If you believe you are wiser from, than your teachers, you will never learn from them. Do you understand what I'm saying? You will never learn from them. If you believe you are wiser than the word of God, you will never learn from the word of God as well. Amen. You must never place yourself above the word of God. You must be humble enough to receive and apply it to every part of your life. So, I'm asking, can the word of God convict you or you are too big for the word of God? Can the truth of the gospel hold you? Can you hold on to it? 
Can the word of God to tell you? Can the word of God tell you rather that the fruit of your spirit is patience and you'll be patient? Some of you, you know that the word of God said that the fruit of your spirit is patient. But once you're angry, you say, ah, ah, ah. Naturally, I'm a very angry person. No, don't try that. Ah, ah, even though the word of God said the fruit of your spirit is love, joy. Listen, you have to be willing to be corrected by the word of God. Correction is never always sweet. But you must be willing to be corrected. It's not always nice, but you must be humble enough to be corrected. The Bible says the word of God is profitable for correction. For correction. Imagine Abraham did not yet stop. Where shall Isaac be today? The lineage of Jesus would have just cut, they would just cut it. Salvation would have ended for all of us. Imagine Abraham did not yet. So, some of you, you hear go, go, run. But the Lord wants to also tell you, stop, I was testing you. I say, God, they know they test me. <laughs> you should not. <laughs> so please and please, learn to be corrected by the word of God. Learn to be corrected by the word of God. Amen. Amen. If you are, you are already doing something big, the Lord says, ah, son, I did not ask you to start a big ministry. I just said you should be praying with people. Tell God that I receive my answer. Tell everybody, bye-bye. Go to church. And if the Lord says start this thing and you are scared, the Lord says start a big thing or even plant a church, he says, Lord, I'm sorry I was scared. I will do, even if it's two members, I will start. Because it's what you said. Two is not small. Obedience is the most important thing. So be willing to be corrected by the word of God. Be willing to be corrected by the word of God. Be open to it. Be open to it. You know, my pastor says something, I'm always scared of it. He says the worst mistake that can happen to a man of God is if you, are, if, if, if you go outside of God's plan and you are successful in it. Ha! Huh, it's dangerous. If God did not ask you to start church, you start church and you have plenty members. That's the end. Nobody can tell you otherwise. Do you know what I'm saying? It's dangerous because you will not think that the applause of men is the approval of God. The applause of men will never be the approval of God. It will never be the approval of God. Because they granted your visa does not mean it's God's plan for you to travel. You went by yourself to apply for the visa. I, 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 I'm just telling you, it's common. Now you are in UK, no church. The village people that stopped pursuing you before because you are prayerful. <laughs> now they found you in UK <laughs> where everything is cold. <laughs> I'm joking. They cannot follow you again. You're a child of God. But, but I'm just saying, now you are in UK, no church, no prayer life, nothing. Please, let the word of God be able to correct you. Amen. Habakkuk mm-hmm. 2 and the Bible says, I will stand upon my watch and and set me upon the, the tower. And I will watch to see what he will say to me. And what I shall answer what, when I'm corrected. So he's saying that I will stand on the watch. I'm ready for the word of God. I'll be in a posture of waiting and meditating. That's what he's saying. A posture of diligence. There are some things that, listen, the word of God must interest you. I'm in a posture of meditation and observing. Always. All my life. A posture of meditating, a posture of diligent attention, and putting myself at the vantage point, like this text says. It will be stressful, it will be painful, but I will do it. I will study. Amen. Don't sleep off to the things that will change your life. Don't sleep off when you should be paying attention to details in the world. When you study your Bible, take notes. When prophecies come, take notes. 
When you come to church, take notes. Take notes. Some of you, your grandparents, when they go to church with you, they are still taking notes. You, you, <laughs> God, God, something has worked for them for generations. They've seen it change their lives. You say, no, I don't take notes, sir. I have high retentive memory. Okay. Take notes. Write it down. There's something that taking notes does. Take notes. Write. 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 I don't think I should still be convincing you to take notes in meetings on the Catalyst Fellowship. Take, take notes. Good. Let us ask that. What did you learn this year? And show me your archive of every note, line by line. Show me your archive of every teaching. Let the only one that you do not have be maybe the one that an extreme situation made you not come early or come. But have it. Have it. So that in the day of adversity, you can know where to reference. There's something we used to say when I was growing up in school. That what carries a life after we hear the word is our heart and our pain. That's what carries life after, after we live. We hear the word, the things in our heart, is life in our heart. The only other place we can resuscitate that life is in what we've written down. There are words that have blessed you the way they were said. And it will not bless you that way until you hear it the way it was said again. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm telling you. Have you ever heard certain words put together and it just always rejects your heart? It just always... And it might not work for any other person that way. But it's what makes you remember. I will never forget the day I heard from my pastor. God is good. He has always been good. He will forever be good. That thing... No matter what is happening to me, I will never think that it is God that caused it. Because the way that phrase blessed me, God is good. He has always been good. He will that's, my, that, that's it for me. I must have doc I documented it. There are some things I will never forget because I've written it five million times. Second Timothy 3.16. I can never forget. All scriptures give my expression. Listen, I can do, I can, listen, I can do a three hours teaching on Second Timothy 3.16. Only. All scriptures, Haggai's graphy. I will take you to the Old Testament. I will break down specific chosen scriptures that were in line with God's plan for all scripture when you consider it. They've blessed me so much because I've repeated it. Pro that introduction, profitable for Do you know the funniest thing? Not every time I even do a sermon, I don't repeat it from, I don't copy it. I rewrite it. Ask the people that edit the sermons. It's not every time I copy it. Many times I rewrite it. From scratch. Do you know how many times I've written 7 Timothy? Do you know how many times I've written Philippians 1.25? It can never leave my heart. Do you know what I'm saying? It can never. Philippians 1.25. All the, it, because I've written it. I've heard it. I've taken it to another person's teaching millions of times. Philippians pastor wanted to kill us with that. And maybe Philippians would only grow for our head. <laughs> I think it's part of the reason why my discipleship grace is strong. Because the man who taught me, taught me the importance of discipleship. Following. Ah, I learned it. I learned it. That you should stay in one church. One. So I said, you know what? I'm going to test it. I listened to only him and I saw the effect in my life and I recorded it. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? It is important. Take notes. Take notes. Do you know? I wish you knew. I, I wish you knew. Sometimes, do you know the things I teach you in prayer and fasting 
are things I learned four years ago, five years ago. You see that thing um, that we always say, every believer is highly combustible. I can say that introduction like that. Do you know the funny thing? If you listen to Apostle Manuel Aaron, two years from now, he will do a teaching, call it the zeal of fire, but the core of the teaching, I can show you a teaching that he did. He will just teach it in a different way. But the core, Anazoporio, he will still tell you, <laughs> he will still tell you, that Anna, Zoom, Paul, setting the living thing on fire, he will still say the same thing. So what I learned very early on, is that when it comes to the truth of the gospel, it's the same thing repeated many times. You might change the approach, but it's the same core thing you want to emphasize and the same texts. So write. Write. Have, have notes. I, I always like to show you. So you don't think I'm asking you to do what I want. Have notes. So learn to write. It will change your life. You have to be studious. Take notes. If there's one secret of my life, I don't like saying things as secret, but it's notes. Take notes. Take notes. Take notes. Take notes. Take notes. Take notes. Amen. I don't know what you'll be doing in fellowship. You're not taking notes. So. Some of you will come to fellowship. You'll be cooking, watching TV, every other. Take notes. So, I was teaching how to receive the word, right? Number two, receive it objectively. What was number one? Receive it. I can't Do you know, right now my head just flashed to another book. It was my birthday book. No, my graduation book. That's why I wrote Discipleship. So, do you know how it works for me? Anything I want to teach you, I know where I wrote it. Do you understand? Anything I want to teach you, I know where I wrote it. So, when I was there to travel, my, my bag was heavy. I said, okay, <laughs> drop these ones. But these ones, I need. I need them. Because I always reference them. I think you've seen me sometimes. I'll lay notes on the table. So, number two, receive it objectively. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 2 13. I still have a lot to teach, so endure the word of God. We'll soon be done. The Bible says, and we also thank God constantly for this that when you receive the word of God, you, you heard it from us and you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is the word of God. The word you received is the word paralambano. From the word lambano, I don't remember what lambano means. What does it mean? To lay hold of. Oh uh, yeah, now students of the word. <laughs> to lay hold of is the same word that was used when he said that they should receive the spirit. So something is available, but you must now lay hold of it. In Acts chapter eight verse fourteen, the Bible says, "Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that the Samaritans had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit." The word there is lambano. Anyone who believes in gospel has the Holy Ghost, but it's so that they can lay hold of it. But now he says, "Para lambano." Para means to join with yourself. He's talking about how they received the word of God. They added it to themselves. Are you with me? They took it with themselves. They joined it with themselves. They received it, first of all, as tradition, but not only did they receive it as tradition handed to them, they also received it objectively. And it's powerful to understand that they did not receive it and make it become the word of God. Mm -mm. They received it because it was the word of God. And so you must be objective to receive it as the word of God. Embrace it. That's what it means. Not only to receive tradition, but to embrace it. Embrace the word as the word of God. Number three, receive it with joy. 
Receiving it with joy is divided into two. <laughs> number one, receiving it even in affliction. And number two, receiving it with readiness of heart. Receiving it with what? Even in affliction. And number two, receiving it with what? Readiness of heart. Learn to respond to the word. Ah, I remember one day, I was in Samuel Aponde Hostel. CF21 was my role. We were reading the word of God that day, myself and Pastor Finney. I saw something in the Bible. Ah! You know that chair we used to have in Babcock, blue with aluminium leg? I stood up. I kicked the chair. Listen, I didn't care about the, the pain. The word was just like, it just felt like fire in me. It just felt like, like I was so overwhelmed. Like, oh my God, God is amazing. There's a hunger we had for the word then and I still have for the word today and I will forever have for the word of God. Hunger. Study. One of the times, if I call, if I call Stephen Adeni, I say, ah, Steph, come here this thing. You know, his face would, you, you see, the way his face would light up. That's the kind of hunger we have for the word. Like, oh my God, I'm about to say something that's going to blow my head away right now from the word of God. Like, I'm excited to hear it. I'm excited to hear, I beg share, I beg share. Let me hear. Let me hear. Let me be because I know it will make me better. It won't leave me the same. It will make me better. I'll be better for it. Ah, you know how much then, before we got used to long teaching, we used to crave teaching, five hours teaching. We used to crave it. We used to be hungry for it. Ah, if you preach one hour in front of us, more. More. I remember when I went for NBC. 10 hours Bible study then. I was so happy. I was trying to write everything. My hand was paining me. You know, I was almost like pastor. How far now? <laughs> How far? I cannot miss. And you say there's no recording. I was trying to write everything. That's me. I was trying to write. You know, I non stop. My hand was paining me. I wanted to call. Because the way I write my note, I write both the jokes. <laughs> so if I say, ah, one day my mother, I will say, so if one day my mother... And I'm not joking, I, I write it like that. I, that's how I even teach. When I'm preparing my teaching, I prepare the jokes too. <laughs> so that's how I am. I write it. See, I can tell you the examples that Pastor has used in many teachings before. I can tell you the examples that Pastor Tolu has used in many teachings before. Depending on the teaching. There are specific examples Pastor has used. You will never forget. Amen. Amen. He will always talk about when he was young and he did not know anything and they were calling him to do but He will tell you about when he lived with his sister. Would, different things for different people. I used to write it with the examples. Do you know the first time I ever heard that example about the man on a boat cruise was from Pastor Mayowa? Now in my example, I wrote down his example word for word. <laughs> I wrote it. Everything he said, I wrote it. I wrote it. You see that woman being becoming a maggot is from Pastor Tulu. The comparison of a deity becoming a human, a human to be like a human is from Pastor Tulu. So <laughs> are they right? I will not study it. I don't use it if I don't understand it. Until I fully understand it. Then I will use it. So listen, you, you must be willing to accept the word of God even in affliction.
conviction. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 1 2, it says, We give thanks to God always for you constantly, mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work and faith and labor. So the Thessalonian church were known for their labor and steadfastness. In 4, it says, We know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in words, but also in power and the Holy Spirit and full conviction. It says, You know what kind of men we prove to be amongst you for our sake. In 6, it says, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. So, the reputation of this church was that things were not going well for them. And yet, they receive the word of God. Are, are you with me? Uh, uh, are you getting what I'm saying? That's their reputation. Things were not going fine. And they received the word of God with joy. Joy of the Holy Ghost. So that they became an example. Ah! Are you with me? Receive it. Even in, when the time is good, receive it. When the time is bad, receive it. Receive it as precious. Pastor John Piper said something. He almost made me cry. He's one of the few reformed people that still blesses me mightily. I mean, they all bless me, but you know, he said he remembers a time in history where there was war. And I feel like crying just saying it. And the woman said, take our sons, take our daughters, but leave our Bibles. Mm-hmm. Huh? Take our children. Do it. Because the war already claimed their children. They called their boys into war. And what is said, but leave our Bibles. Because that's the only hope we have. Leave our Bibles. Leave our Bibles. You, you have to be to have that dispensation to the word of God. What you have today, some people are dying because they have. In North Korea, in other places where there's no privilege. They read the Bible by cutting out the pages. So if a person gets just a page of the Bible, they are excited. And if they are about to catch them, they chew it and swallow it so they don't catch them with it. And you are enjoying the privilege, yet you are not studying it. It is not spirit and life to you. You must study the word. Amen. You have to. They accepted suffering rather than doing it all. Same as this Thessalonica church. Can that be said about the Catalyst community? That when it comes to the word, ah, no matter what it is, the word, catalyst, forget it. Nothing is going to stop them. They love the word of God with their lives. They love the word of God with their lives. Psalm 19 verse 9 says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Rule, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Then it says, More to be desired are they than gold. Even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey. Do you know that in this series, I probably read to you up to, 10 places that David talks about the word of God. It's sweeter than honey. More precious than... So, what I learned from this is that for them to accept the word of God in affliction, the word of God must have been precious to them. Precious. More than even earthly possession. Another thing we learned from that text is receive the word of God as practical. It says so that you become an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Ikea. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Ikea, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we don't need to say anything. For they themselves report concerning the kind of reception we had amongst you. So they are telling us about how they heard that you treated us and you treated the word. It changed their lives in a visible way. 
that they became examples. Can someone discern your consecration and love the Bible because of it? Did you hear what I said? Can someone discern your consecration and love the Bible because of it? You just say, ah, the way you talk about scriptures, can you teach me? I want to know the Bible like this. You're always studying. How why do you love the Bible like this? Teach me. Are you with me? You have to accept the word of God, embrace it as precious, as pleasant, as practical, more precious than gold, more pleasant than honey, more practical, practical enough to change your life. You see, I read something and I'm going to read it in one take, but pay attention. James chapter 1 verse 22, the Bible says, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. For anyone is, if anyone is a hearer of the word of God and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away at once. And forget what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts will be blessed in his doing. 26 now tells you the real point that James is trying to make. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not break through his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is poor, pure, and undefiled before God the Father is this, visit the orphans, the widows in the affliction, and keep yourself unstained from this world. What is he trying to say? The reason why he's saying that you should be a doer of the word is because if you truly receive the word of God, it must be practical in your life. That's the emphasis. We must see it in your actions, in the things that you do. Do you understand? That's what he's trying to say by saying that religion... That is practical is when you go. It's not because he's saying that that's all there is. He's just trying to tell you it must be seen in your actions. So, treat the word as practical. Do it. Receive it as practical. Let it instruct you. So, what should I do with the word of God? What should I do with the word of God? I don't want to break it into two. So, we're going to finish it today. <laughs> what should I do with the word of God? In the sermon I listened to, he communicated a few points and I felt no need to change it. So I'm going to give it to you the way he gave it. Number one, memorize it. Some people think they've grown beyond the age of memorizing scriptures. The last scripture he probably memorized was in primary school. For God said of the world, he gave it to the last life. If the word of God is more precious to you than gold, and more pleasant than honey, and more practical than all human counsel, then you would want to memorize it. Because you would want to keep it in your heart. Amen. Because the preciousness of the word is not just because it's in a book, but it's because it's in your heart. That's where you experience the preciousness. The sweetness is in when you memorize it and you know it. Listen, all the other ways I'm going to tell you, all the other things I'm going to tell you to do to, to the word, is going to be dependent on this one memorizing. So, he told a story of a time when someone's wife was in the ICU and she was about to die. And he rushed there. And on getting to the hospital, they were waiting. Is she going to leave? And the brother called him, the man, the man, the woman's husband, and said, Brother Piper, could you share a word with us? And at that moment, his mind went blank. He just prayed with them. When he got home, he said he cried. He beat himself up. He said, so I didn't even have a text 
that I could give to these people to edify them and minister to them through. It says, from that day, he memorized one scripture for every possible situation that he could preach out of. He says, because he just needed a text to pop into his mind so he could preach to them from the text. Workers, this is the importance of impromptu preaching. Because you will not always have time to build a sermon notes. You will not always. I remember in, 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 I think, 200 level. I just woke up in the middle of the night. I didn't know what was going on. And my phone just rang. I picked it up. And a young lady just said, sir. And by the window, I'm about to jump down. I just woke up from sleep. And by the window, I just, I'm about to jump down. What? How am I supposed to do this? I started asking questions. I saw it was an identity crisis problem. What if I didn't know the right text to quote? What if I didn't know where to preach from to help us see that the identity is not in the world but is in Christ Jesus? That Christ defines our identity. What if I didn't know? What if I didn't know to say that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? And whatever you think you might have done, God doesn't hold that to you. What if I didn't know to say that Christ has taken your sins away from you as far as the east is from the west? What if I didn't know to say those things? How would I have ministered to her in that time of need? How would I have? Another time a young man called me. He says, I'm losing my breath. <laughs> I started talking to him. I started quoting text on the believer's authority and speaking healing to him. What if I didn't know? He said he went home. He said he started he, he, he learned text for almost every situation so that he can preach out of it. He regarded it as one of the worst days of his life. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So, another thing that memorizing scripture will help you do is that it will help you fight temptation. The devil will not finish Jesus. If Jesus knows if he quotes, thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the water. Jesus responded with texts. Some of you will not even reach the text level because you don't even know that the devil is quoting it wrongly. So once he quotes, you know the devil quoted the Bible correctly when he was tempting Jesus. It was just the context that was wrong. That's why you have to understand the Bible. That's why you have to understand it. He quoted scripture. So how would you even know if it is a temptation if you don't understand scripture? But you must have scriptures to respond. You must have scriptures to respond. Amen. Number two. So number one was what's memorized. Number two, meditate on it. Psalm 1, verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, not standing in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Verse 2 says, but, but delight in the law of the Lord, and on his law meditates day and night. A man planted by the streams of water, delighting in the laws of God. To meditate means to read it, to ponder on it, to think about it, to query it, and to relate it to every part of your life. To meditate means to read, to ponder, to think, to query, and to relate it to every part of your life. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6, the Bible says, It is the hard-working farmer who wants to have the first share of the crop. Verse 7 says, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding and everything. Think over it. Come back again and again. After fellowship, don't let it slide. Think on it. Think on it. Think on it. Meditation is not only emotional. It's not only intellectual, rather. It's emotional. 
Do you know what I'm saying? It's not only intellectual, it's emotional. Let your heart cherish the word as you think about it. And it's also not only emotional, it's intellectual. It's not about yoga and... Um, it's also think on the word of God. Amen. Amen. Think on what? The word of God. On the word of God. Number three. What to do with the word of God? Make music with it. Make music with it. You don't have to be messaging work. You don't have to be messaging work to make music. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 verse 16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And I'm going to break a few tables now. This one is intentional. It says, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, in singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. So, notice how the word is that you should let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Good music ministers are good Bible students. Did you hear what I said? You don't have any business writing Christian songs if you are not a good Bible student. Go and write inspirational if that's what you are looking for. You don't have any business writing Christian songs if you are not a good student of the word. Amen. But apart from this, when I'm saying this, I'm not even talking about people who are going to write songs that are going to be produced. What to do with the word of God is sing it over yourself. Sing it. Some of the best hymns are filled with scriptures. Some of the best songs are filled with scriptures. Sing the word of God. That's what we should sing. Listen, when it comes to music, there's no invention. It's only the harmony that you can be intentional. The words. Do you know why I tell you I'm a good songwriter? Is not because It's not just because of grace. It's because I'm a good Bible student. Go and check it. Good songwriters are good Bible students. I don't need to think too much. It's just the word of God. Everything I've learned about the word of God. Have you just put harmony? <laughs> now to put harmony, now to put melody. That's it. That's it. So I'm not even just talking about, I'm talking about you. You. Songs have always been a part of oral trans tra transition all through the Bible. God has always used melody. And the people have always used melody. It means that songs are powerful. The way to harness them is to be intent. So, don't give us what we're... Listen, music ministers have a great teaching ministry because lyrics are very important. And what must fill your lyrics must be the word of God. You know, do you know that in Orthodox churches, the pulpit of the, of the church, you know, where they call the altar in quotes, is usually elevated. Do you know? And do you know that the next level of that elevation is the choir? The choir are not usually on the floor. They are usually higher, but not as high as the church pulpit. And that's because there is a call of God in their lives and because of the authority of what they do, the importance of what they do. So what you do with the word of God is sing over it. Sing with it. Sing with it. Sing with it. Just put melodies and sing. You have a singing spirit. You have to understand. Melodies will come. Sing with the word of God that you heard. Sometimes it might even be the secret to remembrance. A tune will just come. And all you can remember in that tune is, You are good, you are good, Jesus. You are good, you are good, Jesus. 
Some songs might be personal to your consecration at the time, to what you are giving to God. So that tune would always remind you of the things that the Lord has done for you and what the Lord is saying to you. Sometimes messages come with music, with sounds. Messages come with sounds. There were one person who knows how, you know, Pastor Nathaniel Bassi, oh my God, Caleb. Listen, when you read the Old Testament, when he, sometimes when he opens some things, I'm like, because there were announcements of great things and great moves in the Old Testament with sound. With sounds. Go check it. With the sound, even Jesus is coming back will be announced with trumpets. Are you get what I'm saying? Announcement of great things with sounds, all through scriptures. With sounds. Because patterns communicate information. Even music patterns. Are you with me? Paul was teaching about tongues. He said that, how will a man know that anything is coming if there's no pattern to his music? Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, out of that, I'm not even trying to explain the context of what he's saying. I'm just trying to see and understand that patterns communicate. Sounds give feelings. When I want to do audio and I want to do excerpts, they are inspirational sounds. They are fast. You want to know it's poppy, it's vibey. When I want you to calm down, I use lo-fi. When I want the thing to permit your heart and not be excited. Science has it that songs played at, I think it's 40 to 50 BPM or so, aids your understanding faster. Because it synchronizes with your heartbeat in such a way that you are calmer. And you listen. Do you know what I'm saying? So, I'm telling you, sounds have a lot. Reading, it has a lot to do with how we function as humans. And if you can make, take advantage of it, it will be because you will remember things faster because of songs. Do you understand what I'm saying? You will communicate things in your spirit faster with songs. Sometimes the Holy Ghost wants to say something and it's just a melody. Learn to pick it in your spirit. Do you understand? Learn brilliant fire. Do you remember? I did, we don't see. I did not know the song before. I just sat down. I said, Lord, you always give us a song to mark seasons. When we have long, I said, give us one. There is fire, there is fire. That's what I heard. That there is fire, there is fire, there is fire. Fire that leads, fire that backs. There is fire. Whatever you like, do it. But I will always remember. When I feel tired, there is fire, there is fire. There are some times when I'm tired, I just remember, ah, one day I listened to the, the recording I posted of them, of you guys singing in Babcock. There's a fire inside of me that's able to burn the world. Bala in Wuta. Ah! It did not Bala in Wuta. My body just went, <laughs> Ah. Sing. Pick songs in your spirit. Give, give words. Use, that's what you should do with the word of God. All the things you read in Psalms were songs, or many of them actually, not all. Many were songs. So one man sat down and write, Your word is sweeter than honey. The love of your word that we meditate. Your word is sweeter. I'm like, bros, you get you get me this spirit too. But that's how he pondered. So when you wake up in the morning, singing tongues, I 
and just stay on it. See, when it comes to you, you don't need to say too many things. Just pick it. I delight in your and just meditate on it. What does it mean to delight in His word and enjoy His presence? Bask in that atmosphere. Bask in that atmosphere. Let the next things that come out of your mouth be the things that your listen. If truly you've taken the word of God in, it's the word of God you bring out. It's the word of God you bring out. I delight your word, your grace moves with me. Your grace works with me. All I'm saying now is a result of what is in me. It's what I'm hearing in my spirit. Your grace moves with me. Your grace, it works with me. I'm not bound. I'm not held. I've been empowered by the Holy Ghost. And now I can live by faith. That's, that's the song in my spirit. I can it's not because it's coming random, it's what I fed myself with and bringing back out. Do you know what I'm saying? It's what I fed my, so when I think of myself, I remember that I'm not bound. I've been set free. So in the morning, when things are not going right and you're on your way to walk, say I walk by peace, I walk by faith, I walk in the power of the Holy Ghost, I walk in peace, I walk by faith. I walk in the power of the whole. This is a declaration. It's not it. I did not sit down. I, it's now, now I said in my spirit. Declare your realities by the word and just put melody to it so it sticks. So it sticks. So it sticks. Not every song needs to be recorded. Not all. Some are just family songs. Some are internal songs. Some are songs that express your consecration to God. Do you understand? Some are just inside songs. Some are gathering songs. But what to do with the word of God is sing with it. Sing with it. Amen. Even a spontaneous song will be born out of a heart that knows the word of God. Amen. Number four, minister the word of God. Minister the word of God. Minister the word of God. I don't, I'm not talking about just preachers. I'm talking about every believer. The Bible says, take care, brothers. Let there be any of you an evil or believing heart to lead you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day. Exhort one another every day. Ephesians 5, 18 says, do not get, don't, do not be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves and selves and the hymns and the spiritual songs. So, minister to each other. A friend says he's weak. Minister the word to him. Minister the word to him. Minister. Someone once asked me, sir, how do you, how did you get so wise? I said, it's the word of God. When you feed on the word of God, life decisions, you will see wisdom. You will see wisdom. Just pray in the language of the Spirit wherever you are.